And so we'll have the next slide up. I'm going to ask Ravi, one of the heroes of the house, to come and read for us today. Let's give him a, a hand as he comes. We uh, love and honour this man, uh, his love for Jesus and his love for people. He, he gets this in, in ways that I'm still trying to learn to get it. You're looking skinny, man. What happened to you? John chapter 8, actually 7.53 to 8.11, thank you. If you have your Bible or your handheld electronic device, it's okay to read along. Seven fifty-three. Yeah. Last line. Okay. Um, search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Uh, we got troubles with that mic again. I'll come stand next to you. Okay. That one there. Seven fifty-three. Yep. Yep. Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever came from Galilee. Then the meeting broke up and everyone went home. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again in the, in the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and speaking, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to her, says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away, one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Ravi. Now, yeah, let's give him a hand. We, we love Ravi. Everybody needs a Ravi in their life. So... Fascinating. Uh, some of you, if you've got a Bible, and if you want to look at your footnotes, you'll see that some of the Bibles or footnote, this does not appear in some of the earliest manuscripts of the Gospel of John. This whole story is missing. And in some of the early manuscripts, the story actually appears in Luke's Gospel. Interesting. And it appears actually in different parts of the New Testament. Uh, it, it, that's not a problem because we know that the New Testament was a collected, it was collected, there was different stories, different narratives, oral traditions, and it was formulated and arranged under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the church has had this thing, well, it doesn't appear in these very early manuscripts. And so they've wanted to sometimes just put it off to the side. You know, this really doesn't seem to belong. And they says, no, no. This is so much like Jesus. This is so much his genius. This is so much the heart of the Messiah. It's in the Bible. And it's been put back into our Bible over and over again. And now it's traditionally found in John 8, 1 uh, through to 11. 
And this is ancient uh, vernacular in so many ways. Next slide. Thank you. Ta-da. There you go. I think one of the things that we've got to really ask God to do is to help us to embrace the the lens of the gospel rather than the lens of religion. You've heard me say this again, but you know there's a difference between religion and relationship. Do you know there's a difference between church and Christ? And sadly, too many people go to church, they don't come to Christ. Too many people learn the rules of a religion, whether that's Islam. Very sad to see, you know, crazy thing that happened in New Zealand. We do pray that God would be for those families and out of God would bring good things. But we either will come to faith and life through the rules of life, whether you're in the playground, in play school, that's my block, that's my sandpit, whatever, or you'll come to look at life through the lens of love. Genuine, gospel, Christ-centered living is based upon looking through the lens of love and not the lens of law. Do you know there's a difference? Do you know there is a really significant difference between looking at life through the lens of law. Uh, when I was in uh, Pakistan on this occasion, I probably had the privilege of actually leading a Muslim to the Lord. And this is in a very sensitive situation, of course. And so I'm in a church. It's packed. Thank you. This church has helped build that church. I'll show you slides of it later on. And it's nine months old and it's packed. You know, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, give God a praise for that. You guys have helped do that. So thank you. It's making a big difference. So I'm preaching there. I'm just about to get up to preach. My interpreter says to me, Pastor Mike, you'll need to be very sensitive today because a Muslim has come to church. And so I'm thinking, help me, Jesus. Send up one of those little telegrams. And he just got me to, to say, okay, when you come to God, because at least with Muslims, you don't have to prove to them there's a God. It's not like our audience where you've got to get people onto first base. It's just now, which sort of a God? It says you either will have to come to God as a judge or you'll come to God as your saviour. You'll either have to come to God as a judge who will look at your life and weigh up on the scales, on the balance of the good deeds and the bad deeds, how much you've prayed, how much you've fasted, whether you went to church, whether you carried a black Bible or a brown Bible, you know, all those sorts of things. Or you'll go to God as someone who just rescues you and says, saved, redeemed. And out of that, the Muslim man did make a decision and he said that he'd be coming back to church and bring his family next week. He says, I want to know the God who comes as a rescuer and as a saviour. Because the other God, let's face it, if I got to go in front of the bench, I lose. If I got to go in front of the lawyer, uh, in front of the judge, I lose because I have failed. And I did that thing I've done with you too. You know, put up your hand in the room if you've lied once in your life. Okay, well, if you haven't put up your hand, you've just lied. <laughs> so you're all gone anyway. You're leading through the tank. The truth is we all fail, don't we? Whether we've lied once or whether we lied ten times, we're all liars. 
We've all used the name of God in inappropriate ways or we've lived in inappropriate ways. We've all stolen something somewhere. We've all probably looked at a person with the wrong thinking in our heads. Amen? So we're all guilty. So I don't want to go in front of a judge guilty because I know which way the hammer will go. But I'd like to go in front of the Saviour, the one who took my place, who said, all is forgiven, come home. So we've got to make a decision. Do we look at life through the lens of love or the lens of law? I would even say to parents, in our parenting, if we're not careful, we can actually look at life through the lens of law rather than the lens of love. Because your kids aren't always going to be good, are they? No, no. (laughs) But you're going to love them anyway. So it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Have you ever got a telescope? And, you know, you've got a little beetle walking past and you put the telescope around the wrong way and you've got this monster in front of you. Or you turn around the other way and it's a long way off and it's safe and it doesn't scare you. What lens are you looking at life through? And this, this story really facets the differences in those lens. Next slide. The first lens, we, lens that we can look at life through is the law. So here we are. Jesus, we pick up the story in 7.53. He's gone away. He's finished his teaching for the day in the temple. Then in the morning, he gets up early, goes away and prays on the Mount of Olives. Then he comes down again to the temple. So he's gone to the equivalent of church. And in church, there's a lot of angry people who want to kill. You understand? He's come to church. He hasn't gone to the marketplace, hasn't gone to McDonald's. He's come to church and there are lots of people that have got bundies in their hands and they've only got one thing in mind and that is to condemn and to kill the lawbreaker. And I want to say to you, I think the church of Jesus Christ is still fighting that attitude all around the world. That if you're not careful, you go to a church and instead of finding love and acceptance and forgiveness, what you find are people of rocks and they're prepared to kill you because of your failure. God forgive us. God forgive the church of Jesus Christ. If in somewhere in your journey, what you've experienced is sadly are the rocks of people's criticism. Now, they are wanting to trip Jesus up. So they understand the law and they've gone into this situation. They've found a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. Do you get it? It's in the act of adultery. This is right in the middle of the messy, embarrassing, shameful, naked, sweaty, slimy sword. It can't get much worse than being caught in the act of adultery. This is where she's been caught. And she's dragged off to church. And what the, what the leaders are doing, what the people are, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, instead of wanting to communicate God's heart towards the failed person, they want to bring death and the application of the law. There's also a tremendous amount of hypocrisy going on. Because if you've caught the woman in the act of adultery, where's the man? Where's the man? 
And, you know, we, we, we don't know the full backstory, but how do you catch someone in the act of adultery? I mean, it, it almost senses like there's almost a setup here that someone's actually gone and says, oh, we know this lady. She might be like this. So we're going to trip her up. We're going to be a stumbling block. We'll get this man to go in. We'll take her, you know, in, in her shame position and drag her to church. And then we're going to ask for the application of the law. It is one lens to look through. And there are churches that are very good at that. Churches are very good at saying it's law, 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 law. And you've got to measure up here and measure up there. But, you know, if you look at the underside of it, underneath that attitude, there's hate, there's condemnation, there's hypocrisy, there's the very things that Jesus came to destroy. God help us. It is one lens. But it's not the lens that I want this church to ever have. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary, for coming. (laughs) There's another lens, of course. Next slide. Thank you. The next lens is the lens of the woman who's actually caught in this uh, particular problem. It's the lens of the lost. And uh, even today, under the sound of my voice, there will be those people who will feel just like this lady did at that moment. I've tried. I've struggled. Through various reasons, I have failed, I have tripped up, I've been in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong things. And for the lost person, in the presence of law, there's no hope, there's no future. You are gone, man, it's over, you're naked, you're shamed, you've got death waiting. And uh, that's, that's a horrible place to be, isn't it? Has anybody ever been in that place? You've done your best, but you've just been, you've just messed up. You've failed. You've been in the worst place. And uh, Josiah, one day, you're going to be up here, right? You're going to have to tag team with me. All right? Okay. That lostness, you know, the broken heart. The alcoholic who can't give up his booze, the the man who's the businessman who loves his family but is addicted to porn, the uh, the young the, the the young couple who are fornicating, you, you, you know, it goes on, doesn't it? All all those lists of the shame, the horrible, the naked, the failure. It's not the place any of us want to be. But I want to say that there's another lens. Not the lens of the law, not the lens of being its lost. It's the next lens. It's the lens of Jesus, which is the lens of love. And I love this. Jesus just begins to write in the sand. And they've written books and books of what Jesus wrote in the sand. Did it twice. I love this idea, first of all. There's, there's actually a, a, a competition going on in the worldview of the legalists and of the religious people, and they want the law. I want the application of the law. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery, and whoever does must be stoned to death, must be killed, executed. They wanted that law. Well, God originally gave that law with a finger writing on a rock. He wrote out the Ten Commandments. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, well, you know, that's what the old law is. Here's maybe the new law. Here's the new law. New law is actually harder than the old law, but the old law leads to death. The new law leads to life. 
starts to write on the dirt. I like the theory that as he's writing on the dirt, because as he begins to write, particularly the second time, it says that they began to drop their stones. So I was thinking that he was writing down the names of their girlfriends. You, you know, they're all there. They've got their rocks. You know, let's kill the girl. Let's kill the girl. She's a, you know, she's broken and all that. You know, Dorothy. Oh, dear. Boom. <laughs> Deuteronomy 17 verse 7 says that in order to, to uh, bring someone to uh, capital punishment by death through stoning, there needs to be two or three witnesses. And so Jesus calls out those two or three witnesses. It says, who will be the first amongst you to actually cast the stone? Because this is the law. The law is, it's not a group mob. What's got to happen is the two witnesses have to start first. They have to step out of the crowd, be identified as the ones bringing the accusation, and they have to throw the stones first, and then the crowd will join in with that summary execution. Do you get the picture? He's saying, where are those witnesses? And, you know, it's so often true that, you know, when you get to gossip and negativity and people pulling down people, you know, there's the crowd chatter, isn't there? Yada, 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 yada. But it's never someone's prepared to stand up and say, I was there and I saw it. You know, it's often third hand or I heard someone say or someone on Facebook or something. Fake book. Don't do it, man. Let's. Grab the heart of Jesus, where instead of actually falling into the law and then also giving up to the lostness of this individual, he does one of the most creative things ever in the history of religion. He says to this lady, where are your accusers? And she looks around, they've all gone, hallelujah. They've all left town, hallelujah. Bless God says, well, no one here condemns me. It says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Brim, absolutely brim, sir. Brim. Next slide, thank you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. If I want to just pull it all together in a very simple idea, there's three tenses here. There's the past, the present, and the future. This is the language of the gospel. This is the language of love. This is how we love God and love people. This is how we move into the place where God wants us to be as Christian people. What do we do with the past? No condemnation. No condemnation. What you did one minute ago, no condemnation. What you did one year ago, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What you did 10 years ago, there is now no condemnation. How does the gospel relate to what you did? No condemnation. It's forgiven. It's gone. Hallelujah. You could get excited about that. You could have messed up this morning when I told my wife to get her own coffee, you know. You could have messed up this morning, and yet God says about the past, I do not condemn you. You're free. What about now? Now, it's go. It's do something. Don't stay in your mess. 
Don't stay in your shame. Don't stay in the blame. Don't stay naked. Don't stay, you know, as, as the object of ridicule. Do something. Move. Activate. Go on and grab a great life and start living the life God's called you to do. As far as the past is going, God says no condemnation. Hallelujah. How free are you today? How free are you today? If you can hear the voice of Jesus, the church might want to condemn you. But how free are we? Past is gone. There is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. What are we doing the now? Well, don't stay there. You know, if you're addicted to porn, don't stay there. If you're addicted to booze, don't stay there. If you know, whatever the issue is, don't stay there. Change, go, move on, fix it. Because you're set free. You don't have to stay locked down by your shame and by your failure. And for the future, pictures, just don't do it again. Just don't do it again. And sometimes we may need to do this several times over. Can I be really honest with you today? Just want me to preach. Okay, honesty is all right. Sometimes you've got to do that over and over again. Father... I thank you, but by your blood, you've washed away all my sin. And I, I, I can actually say no to the accuser. When the devil reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future. Because <laughs> my past is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus has paid the price for my sin. God, I'm going to get up now. I'm going to read my Bible some more. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to get some counsel. I'm going to move. I'm going to do my going. And Lord... In my future, I'm not going to do it again. And I might have to do that once. might have to do it twice. I might even have to do it three times. I might have to do it for some issues every week of your life for five years or something. And then one day, you just turn around and say, hey, I haven't done that for a while. Boy, God has set me free. God has done it. This is the lens of what God calls us to in this good news called the gospel. Next slide. Thank you. So... Let anyone who is among you be without, without sin be the first to throw a stone. John 8, 7. So today, Pastor Karen was very excited because she thought I'd bought her a present. All the way from Pakistan. I have. All the way from Pakistan. It's just, this is just not any old rock. This is a good killing rock, this one. If you want to get stoned, this could really do the job. Got some nice sharp edges. Uh, you know, they used to kill people with stones. But I want to start hearing the sound of grace in this church. You know what the sound of grace sounds like? You listening? Drop the rocks. Drop the rocks. Drop the rocks. It's time to drop the stones, guys. You know, we are to love our neighbour. We're to love God and to love our neighbour. But we're to love our homosexual neighbour. We're to love our Aboriginal neighbour. We're to love our drug neighbour. We're to love our criminal neighbour. We are to love our neighbours. When people come to church, let's not see them with a whole bunch of people with rocks ready to kill them. Let them see Jesus. It says, I don't condemn you.
But hey, why don't you make a decision to go and be free? This passage finishes up that you are the light of the world. John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know, Jesus continues to teach out of this experience. But hey, what a place. Where can you go to an Armadale where you can be said, it's okay, you're not condemned, it's wiped away, reboot, clean slate, you can start again afresh today and you can have an amazing life. It should be the church of Jesus Christ, just not here, but everywhere. That should be the message of the church of Jesus Christ. So if you brought your rocks to church, can I ask you to put them down, please? <laughs> put them down. It'd be just so nice to start hearing that little... It's got a ring to it, hasn't it? It's got a very good ring to it. I think that's our last slide. Thank you. Simple message, simple message. When we come, I think if we've got rocks in our hands, then that's a problem. And, you know, we can have rocks with our partner, with our husband, with our wife. We can hold them a prisoner to the past. You know, Mike, you were like that 20 years ago. You were like that 15 years ago. You were like that 15 days ago. There's no condemnation. No condemnation. Let's start afresh today. Let God come, start riding into the sand because here's the truth, of course, underlying it all. We're all guilty. We've all failed. We've all messed up. You know, none of us are really better than the next. You know, so we all need God's grace and God's love. So, Father, I thank you for this church. And, Lord, I pray that you give each of us that ability. Lord, when we do come, Lord, and we deal with people. Lord, we would come, Lord, not with hands full of offence, hands full of the law and of a judgment, Lord. Lord, you'd help us to change those lenses over our lives. That, Lord, instead of looking upon people, Lord, with disdain, Lord, sometimes, if we're honest, with a sense of superiority, oh, we're not like them. We haven't blown it like they have. Lord, we, we, we pray that we're not like that and we can actually look at them through the lens of compassion. Understanding, Lord, that lady in the dirt, Lord, she just needs someone to speak life and hope to her. Because out of that, Lord, does come a changed life, a changed family, a changed community and a changed world. So help us to be those communicators of love, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We'll have our team up and uh, it's been a long time since I've sang the greatest day in history. It's been weeks. It's been weeks. It's been weeks. And you wouldn't believe I bought these new jeans and look, they've got holes in them. I mean, there's something wrong. You buy a new set of jeans and they've got holes in them. The greatest day in history. The day you get saved, bless the Lord.